0: Welcome to this first session of our study of the Doctrine of the Trinity. Now, this is a subject that we all approach with a certain amount of fear and trepidation. We know, if we are Christians, that we believe in the Trinity. We know that there is one God who exists in three persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But we also probably know that anytime we have tried to explain or understand the Doctrine of the Trinity, that we often find ourselves very quickly in over our heads. And these are deep waters, to be sure. And so we need to ease ourselves into them. But just as most kids are not content to stay in the shallow end of the pool but are drawn toward the deep end my hope is that as we begin to look together at the scriptures and what they say about god and particularly about god as one god who exists in three persons that we will be drawn step by step and, and little by little further into these deep waters not because we want to try to Master something that is beyond us, but because we want to grow in our awe of God, we want to grow in our worship of God, we want to grow in our knowledge of God. So, my hope in this study is to help us move again, little by little, step by step, um, from the basics of what it means to know that God is a Trinity to. Uh, a little bit deeper, perhaps, a little bit uh, deeper into those waters to know uh, more and more what it means for God to exist as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and to exist eternally in three persons and yet remain one God. But for today, we just want to get started. We just want to kind of dip our toes in and get an idea of what the Bible says about God as one God in three persons and about what we mean when we say that God is a trinity. After all, the, one of the first things we need to know is if you look to the back of your Bible where you have a concordance perhaps and you look up the word trinity, you will find that the word trinity itself does not occur in the Bible. It's, it's not a word that shows up in scripture. What it is, is it's some it's a, a shorthand word. We could call it you know, theological shorthand. It's, it's a way of summarizing some things that we believe about God so that we don't have to say them all each time we talk about God. Instead, we can just say the Trinity. Right, so the word Trinity was, as best we can tell, coined by a man named Tertullian, who was a theologian, a Christian, a writer around uh, 200 AD, so about 200 years, not quite 200 years um, after Jesus and he's the first one that we know of who used the word trinity and the word just again summarizes what we believe about god being one god who exists in three persons so think think about the word trinity like this at the beginning it has the the word the prefix tri right which stands for three like a tricycle has three wheels Uh, so tri and then unity Unity meaning one or oneness, right? So the word Trinity reminds us that God is three in one. One God who exists in three persons. That's what that word is for. To to summarize that so that we don't have to say every time we talk about God, well, I'm talking about the God who is one God, but who exists in three persons. Instead, we can just say, I'm talking about the Trinity, the triune God, right? The God of the Bible so that's what we mean when we talk about uh, or when we use the word trinity as just a way of summarizing that there's one god who exists in three persons um and we also want to emphasize here, here at the beginning remind ourselves here at the beginning that those three persons are distinct right? the father is not the son and the son is not the spirit and the spirit is not the father and we'll talk more about this later, but um, it, it's important for us to remember that each of these three persons are real distinct persons, but they're not separate gods. One God who eternally exists in three persons. Now, at this point, this this is where usually our minds begin to go, okay, time out. I, I cannot get my mind around that. And the good news is you don't have to. We don't have to fully understand how this is possible. How is it possible for God to be one God and yet exist in three persons? We don't know fully how to wrap our mind around that because there is nothing else in the world really like that because God is unique. There's only one God, and only God is the one God who exists in three persons. And because he's God, he's the creator, he's the the one who has always existed and will always exist, the eternal one, and we're just creatures who've been made by him, it should not surprise us or even bother us that we can't fully get our minds around what it means for god to be god what it means for god to be a trinity so we know that god is one god and this is this is how uh sometimes people will will summarize the the doctrine of the trinity with these three statements we know that god is one god and we know that the father the son and the spirit are all three fully god And we know that the Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Spirit, and the Spirit's not the Father, and so on. They're all distinct, and they're all God, and yet they're not three gods, there is one God. That's what we mean by the doctrine of the Trinity. Again, we don't have to be able to fully wrap our minds around how that works or how that could be. We just know that that is, that's just what God has shown us about himself. Now, the next thing I want us to notice is I just want to give you a taste of how fully trinitarian the bible is now of course in the old testament the trinity was not fully revealed there are some hints and we'll probably look at some of those later Uh, there are some hints about the trinity in the old testament but we're not made fully aware of the trinity until the new testament but once we get to the new testament we see the truth of the trinity all over the place, and so what I want us to, to get here in this first session is that the Trinity, the truth about the Trinity, is not a doctrine that just shows up maybe once or twice, or it's not a doctrine that that um, people who um, have. A whole lot of time more time than the rest of us to read the Bible have has sort of come up with um, because they're just trying to think about you know as many details of the Bible as possible no no, no no the the Trinity is woven into the very fabric of the New Testament it is all over the place and not only is it all over the Bible But the reality of the Trinity is interwoven into our very relationship with God. So listen to what, just briefly, what the Bible says um, about the Trinity in the New Testament. First of all, the first Christian sermon is Trinitarian. When Jesus died, rose, and then ascended into heaven, then he poured out the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts chapter 2, and Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, right? And thousands of people were saved. And in that sermon, Peter talked about the Trinity. He said, this Jesus, so that's the Son, this Jesus God raised up. So Jesus the Son was raised up by God the Father, and of that we are all witnesses, Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, Jesus is exalted, the Son, exalted at the right hand of God, the Father, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. So Peter says, you're wondering what's going on? The Holy Spirit of God has been poured out by the Son of God who died and rose and has ascended to the right hand of God, the Father. It's a Trinitarian sermon, right? It's a Trinitarian moment, Pentecost is. Right? Also, a greeting in the New Testament can be Trinitarian. It's something as simple as the way uh, an apostle greets the people he's writing to can be wrapped up in the Trinity or, or filled with the truth of the Trinity. So, for example, Peter in his first letter says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion and then he mentions the particular places he's writing to and he says according to the foreknowledge of god the father in the sanctification of the spirit for obedience to jesus christ so you've got the father the spirit and jesus the son all right there just in the opening lines of that letter then a benediction, a closing blessing can be Trinitarian. At the end of Paul's letter that we call 2 Corinthians, the very last verse of 2 Corinthians says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So Paul blesses them with a Trinitarian blessing, right? He mentions the Father and the Son and the Spirit in the closing words of that letter, just like Peter mentioned the Father, Son, and the Spirit in the opening words of his letter. Baptism is Trinitarian, right? Jesus told his disciples before he ascended into heaven, he gave them what we call the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of, singular, one name, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Baptize them in the singular name of the three persons of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Jesus' work is Trinitarian. His work in in dying for our salvation is a Trinitarian work. In the book of Hebrews 9.14, it says, How much more will the blood of Christ, that's the Son, who through the eternal spirit, the Holy Spirit, offered himself without blemish to God, that's the Father, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. In other words, he says Jesus died, right? And His he offered himself to God through the Holy Spirit. Jesus' work of salvation was a Trinitarian work. It was a Trinitarian event as the Son of by the Spirit, offered Himself to the Father. Our salvation is Trinitarian. In Ephesians 1, Paul describes our salvation this way. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, that is in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, according to the riches of his grace. And then a few verses later, he says, in him, that is in Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. So all through there, He's talking about the Father and the Son, and he talks about the Holy Spirit, all three involved in our salvation. He blesses the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and he says it's the Father who chose us in Christ. And it's in Christ that we have redemption through Jesus' blood, through his death. And when we heard about Jesus' death and believed, then we were sealed with the Holy Spirit. So the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are all at work in our salvation. When we talk about spiritual gifts, we often associate spiritual gifts particularly with the Holy Spirit. And that's right and good, but spiritual gifts are also Trinitarian. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 4-6, he says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. What Paul is doing there is he's he's saying the same thing three different ways, right? He says there are varieties of gifts, varieties of service, varieties of activities. That's three ways of saying the same thing. And then he says, but the same Spirit, the same Lord, and the same God who empowers them all and everyone. There also, he's saying the same thing, three slightly different ways. First, he refers to the Spirit. Then he refers to the Lord, which is Jesus. And then he refers to God, the Father. It is the same God, the one God, who exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, who empowers the spiritual gifts that the Spirit gives to believers. So spiritual gifts are Trinitarian. Our access to God is Trinitarian. Paul says in Ephesians 2.18, For through Him, that is Christ, through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So it's in Christ, through the Spirit, that we have access to God the Father. Our access to God is Trinitarian. Our unity is Trinitarian. Just a couple more here. I want you to see how pervasive this is, how, how this fills uh, the whole New Testament. Our unity is Trinitarian. Ephesians 4, 4-6 says there is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So he says there's one Spirit, one Lord, one God and Father of all, right? There's one Trinity, in other words. One Holy Spirit, one Son, one God the Father. There's one God who exists in three persons and our unity as Christians is in Him. We all worship the same God. We're all saved by the same Savior, the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are all indwelt by the same Holy Spirit. Christians are all in that sense, right? We are all Trinitarians. We are all saved by the Trinity. We all worship the Trinity. We are united in the Trinity, right? We we all affirm. We all confess. We all believe in the one God who exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We all have been saved through the work of the Father, Son, and Spirit. The Father chose us, the Son died to redeem us, and the Spirit has come to indwell us. It was the Son who secured our salvation through His death and resurrection. But that doesn't mean he was isolated from the Father or the Spirit. The Father, Son, and Spirit were all involved, are all involved in our salvation. Our salvation is Trinitarian. Our unity is Trinitarian. And then finally, Jesus' parting words to his disciples were Trinitarian. As Jesus prepared to leave his disciples, as he prepared to go to the cross, and he gave them final instructions on that night before he was crucified, He said, I will ask the Father, this is from John 14, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. And then just a little bit later, He says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So Jesus says I'm leaving but I'm going to ask the Father and he's going to send you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit the Father is going to send in my name and the Holy Spirit's going to remind you all the things that I've said to you, right? Again this is this is trinitarian talk. This is trinitarian work. Jesus is telling them, right? That the Father and the Son and the Spirit are all a part of what is going on right jesus is leaving he's going to die and rise and ascend back into heaven but he's not going to abandon his disciples he's going to ask the father who is going to send them the holy spirit to dwell with them and to dwell in them so that's uh, we could probably talk about who knows how many more verses and passages. right? But I I hope that helps you uh, see just how fully Trinitarian the New Testament is and how much attention this truth um, should receive from us. I I hope seeing and hearing some of those verses helps you want to maybe take a step or two deeper into the water to, to know more about what God has told us about himself as the one God who eternally, Exists as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Again, not because we want to master some deep doctrine, but because we want to know God, because we want to honor God, because we want to affirm the truth about God in our prayers and in our songs, in the way we talk about God. We want to honor Him, we want to speak the truth about Him, and we want to know Him. And if he has revealed himself to us in this way, this is who he is, as clearly this is who he is, the the one God who exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, always has, always will. If we want to know him, and we do, then we ought to want to know more about him. Whatever he has revealed to us in scripture, he has revealed to us because he wants us to know it. He wants us to understand it and he wants it to provoke in us faith in him and worship of him. So that's going to be our goal as we consider in this series what it means that God is a trinity. God bless.